welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello and welcome to Money Tips. This is Charles Kelly, bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate, and enjoy more money. Now, it's Happy New Year, still Happy New Year, I guess, for a couple of weeks. How are your New Year's resolutions going? Uh, my, my gym was full of new hopefuls this week, uh, all getting fit, and it was packed full. But I know from experience that after a couple of weeks, that's going to fade out. And after a couple of months, it'll be back to normal with a half full gym most of the time. That's kind of just the way it is. Um, what do you plan to do? Do you plan to lose weight? Do you plan to improve your finances? Are you on a dry January, no alcohol program? Um, what, what, do, what do you want to do this year? Do you want to improve your finances? Well, I hopefully bring you guests and bring you information that can help you do that, help you improve your finances, uh, but keep your goals realistic, keep them measurable, keep keep on track with them. And you know, my, one of my goals was to publish a book, which I've, I've just done. I've, I've written this over the last couple of years, Borrow and Grow Rich. Uh, that, that book could help you improve your finances. It's available on Amazon right now. And there's a special offer at the end. You'll see in the notes, there's a special offer where you can download a, a chapter of that, a couple of chapters of that free. And I put an offer up there uh, at the bottom of the, the notes. Uh, but today I want to introduce you a very special guest, and, and, and he'll talk to you about trading, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more about him in, the, in a second. But his name is KD Angle. And KD, to read out his, his bio here, is a successful market leader with experience in both futures and stocks. If you want to find out more about futures, listen here. He started his trading career in 1979 during the last great inflationary period of the late 1970s. Well, we're seeing that kind of come back at the moment, uh, inflation, a word many younger people may not even know what existed. What is inflation, you might be asking? So that was in the 1979. And some of his accomplishments include uh, starting his own market letter, which gave specific trading advice in the early 1980s and was reported in Forbes magazine, no less, as being the best-ranked market newsletter in its class for 1986 and 87. The publication ended up trading into eight, uh, uh, mailing into eight countries. Those were the days of mail, I guess. Uh, in the 1990s, KD began managing money, including using its rules-based strategies, and I'll ask KD to explain more about that, and later went on to earn more than 60 performance awards from a respective performance reporting company known as Barclay Hedge. And that's over the last 20 years. He retired that career after managing assets of up to $200 million, but continues to trade in his own capital. And, and, and KD is a trader. He's not here to promote a course or anything like that. So he's, he's doing his own thing. He's walking the talk. Um, so Angle also has been featured as an expert in two other books, one published early in his career, called The Four Cardinal Principles of Trading, written by Bruce Babcock, published in 96, and a second, more recently published book called The Mental Edge Trading, written by Jace, 
uh, sorry, Jason Williams, published in 2012. Angle became interested in the markets after watching his father turn $2 million into $100 million in, in, a, in a great gold bull market trade in 1979. And he wrote a book to uh, memorize that, that experience uh, entitled $100 million in profits. Now, he's not here to show you how to turn $2 million into $100 million in 30 days or anything like that. But it is a remarkable story, and I'm sure you want to hear more about that. Uh, and it's been, you know, that story has been featured in Futures Magazine. He was a keynote speaker at the annual conference in New York on the Chartered Market Technician Association in 2015. Uh, KD authored what he considers to be his legacy book that he said will outlive him called Guillotine Investing. Keeping your head while others are losing theirs. I think that comes from uh, Rajad Kipling, probably, uh, that, that quote. Uh, but And he shares many valuable insights into, uh, you know, that helped contribute to his own success with the markets and is, is only available on his own or the book's own website called guillotineinvesting.com. That's guillotineinvesting.com. So please welcome KD Angle. Nice Charles, it's, it's it's absolutely great to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. Great, great to, to, to see you. So how are your trades going at the moment? Uh, how has how, it been last year and how, how do you? Uh, um, well, the, um, the great thing about rules-based trading is that you don't have to guess. You can actually know through extensive research. And so um, my I've only been trading my personal account here for the last few years. And um, uh, last year was a great year. The year before was a great year. So um, I have no complaints. And um, uh, the expectation about what the strategy should do is exactly what it did. So I think uh, my expertise and overall is designing rules-based strategies with a high uh, probability of producing in the future in the future as compared to just uh, guessing and trying to understand all the fundamental news that we're bombarded with all the time. Great, great. So what is a rules-based strategy? Well, it means that literally everything that you do in the markets is a rule, that you, there is absolutely no degree of discretion that I use in my approach to the markets. A lot of people would have trouble doing that because mm. we all as humans want to know we want to get in there and get our hands on the steering wheel but i've been trading like this since um, 1986. wow and and so all my success is basically following a plan that was well researched and if you get better at research then your plans ultimately get better over time and so the problem you get into when you offer it to the public or to the in my case to institutions is that uh, there's a thing called the golden rule and that the people with the gold that are going to allocate you money want to tweak and give their input. They want to they want to determine how that is made. So once I got out of that realm and started designing for myself, it, I finally kind of put together my own strategy that I wanted to put together as opposed to what maybe uh, allocators or clients wanted to put together. So and it's I'm very happy with it. So it's been working very well. Fantastic. I mean, you've Obviously, since 1986, you saw the big crash in 87. You've seen yes. a lot of crashes since then and things going up and down. True. And you're still here to tell, you know, you well, to tell us the tale. Knock on wood. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's great. Now, I know that you, you're not one of these uh, 
daily or hour by hour traders sitting there in front of the screen with all, which I always find confusing these, these screens and these candles and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you're not that type of trader, right? I've studied all of that. And basically what you realize is everything I use is original. If you, you've got to go to the mountaintop and create your own way, and it has to be emotionally balanced with your emotions, meaning that if you're a, um, and that's what the second book that Jason Williams wrote is that he, he's a, a MD from John Hopkins uh, Hospital, which is a respected hospital. Yeah, yeah. And he, he basically wanted to know if there was a link between your emotional makeup and the compatibility with how you approach the markets. And there definitely is. So you have to find your own way. Otherwise you can't stick with it. You basically fade yourself out and, uh, or you quit or you, you want to start skipping trades. And I just put on every trade without thinking. And I, I've always taken a, I like a big picture approach to the markets. And so that big picture means, you know, we're not going to trade hourly. We're not going to trade daily. We're going to trade, uh, from a time frame of a few weeks out to a year. So it's mm -hmm. a much bigger picture than most people um, think of when they think of traders, but all of the big managers say in the futures managed business, they all uh, take this approach uh, in order to have capacity and, um, and they take a rules-based approach so they can test it and research it. Right. I mean, when you look on a typical YouTube day, you're, you're going to get one guy coming on, whether it's Peter Schiff and he's talking about gold and yeah. uh, Harry Dent's coming on saying the market's oh, yeah. going to crash early Jan. He's talking about now the market will crash, but he's been saying that for a year. Yes, you don't you're know right. what to think. I know these guys. I watch what they say. And the thing is, is that I, I process as much information as I can. And, uh, and at the same time, does it affect the way I trade? No, I know that ultimately it's, it's all a guess. And I'd rather not guess. I'd rather just follow my research because the minute you go outside the bounds of research, you've just thrown it literally out the window. So it makes more sense. The only time I, I overrode the trading system was at Y2K we, because no one knew what the exchange computers were going to do when we turned yeah. to the 2000. And so we literally closed all the positions out the day before and put them on the day after. And that was the only time I've overridden in my whole career. Right. And then, of course, you had the dot-com boom after that. Yeah, exactly. I think Amazon shares dropped by about 95% sure. after that, that period. And yeah. you know, many people are saying now that the markets are, have been pumped up by the, this, this government QE and, and creating trillions of, of dollars and pounds and euros of, of this money, uh, which must be difficult as a trader because you know, you're, you're sitting there and things are happening this way and suddenly this new variant comes in and everybody panics and, and, and markets change. And, and how do you cope with that over a long-term trade? Well, my, my edge is knowing what to do on any, any given moment on any given day. That's when they say, what's your edge? I know what to do. So the problem with uh, what we have now is that 40% uh, of all of the U.S. dollars that are in the world right now were created in the last 24 months. So when you think about that kind of dollar expansion, um, there this is no different. All the coins that they find in the in the digs in in the UK that are Roman, and you can just go through the the levels. And I I, I love um, uh, some of the the television shows that are also, that are based that are all out of UK that that. Uh, uh, 
archaeology. And yeah. so you just go down the, the, de the depths of the dirt and you can, okay, the, the, the ones on top are, the, are the, the Roman coins that are fake. And the further you go down, the more that they're actual silver and gold and that kind of things. Rome did the same thing. So there's no difference here. The governments are just trying to keep things going so no one has any pain. And unfortunately, without risk, we don't have real truth in the economy. We don't have real productivity in the economy. So risk is a part of the component of a real capitalistic free market economy. We're yeah, I mean, the dollar. Yeah, sure. And the dollar at the moment is, is strong. Uh, again, it, it seems to be yes, it has. doing quite well. And yet there's all this, as you said, 40% of them been, have been printed in the last 24 months. Um, then you've got people uh, talking about cryptocurrencies and just saying, well, the, sure. the dollar's finished. And I mean, what, what's your view on that? Well, have you ever seen a crypto, an actual crypto, uh, like a Bitcoin? Have you ever seen one? No. Have you ever held one? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so the problem with crypto is that the only way you can get it out is through this, um, this server system. And if people really realized, and this is an amazing fact, it takes as much electricity to run the the Bitcoin server system as it does to run the state of Washington for, for, for a year. So the amount of electricity oh. that's taken in order to run it, I think people would see it as more of a um, uh, biological or, or climate problem, you know, because of the amount of electricity. But the, the, the thing is, is that um, the problem with crypto is that, you know, currency is a perception. Uh, that's all it is, a perceived value of stored energy. And so whether it's a, a pound note or a dollar, I know that this is worth so much in energy. And mm. the, th the problem with crypto is that there is faith there. It is a perception. But I think at this point, it's, it's premature. And so it's not a real currency system until you can use it to go in your grocery store and use it. It may get there someday in, in 100 years because people just don't want to print currency anymore or something like that. But the problem is, is that it's not a... Um, I think it's 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 going to end up poorly for a lot of people because it's not a real functionable currency. It's a perception true. at this point. So that's true. Yeah, and it's and it's probably taken some thunder out of the gold market because yes. you know my my father made a lot of money in gold, but most most of that run was over about seventeen months, meaning that the gold was moving up some, and then it just went crazy. And he happened to be there at the right time with the right. Uh, position, but it was really a, a very lucky thing for him. So people are saying, why isn't gold going up because of the yeah. inflation? Well, you can't print gold. It doesn't pay a dividend, doesn't pay an interest. We all know these things. And it's really kind of hard to lug around if you want to buy something, but it can store value. So it's kind of the next best thing other than currency uh, uh, or your house, I guess, is another form of, of, of uh, inflation hedge. But compared to crypto, Crypto is, is, is science fiction at this point. I just, even though it goes up and goes down and it's becoming kind of accepted, like let's get hip, let's get crypto, let's be a part of the new thing. Yeah, there's kids I just, trading it, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And my friend, uh, uh, my, um, his son was 25 years old, made $300,000 in, in crypto while, when he bought it really early. Uh, Puerto Rico is loaded with crypto millionaires because you can save on uh, taxes down because it's yeah. the US territory. So the, the point is, is that um, it's, it, it's, it's I, I'm real nervous about crypto. I'm not a believer. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm with you on that, definitely. And I, I, although gold hasn't done very well recently, I'd, I'd feel safer with some 
hedging my money in Correct. gold than crypto. And also, you've got to look at the, the central banks are, are, are launching their own digital currencies. So how, well, why, you know. Has that happened for sure? Or I know that El Salvador wanted to kind of jump on that train. I think if a, if a government really wanted to clamp down on currency, cheap currency, they would eventually embrace this. But um, it's it's um, at least the U.S. doesn't seem ready to do that at this point in time. Has do you know of any countries that have really said we're going all in, or they've made a pledge in the future? I, some I have. China have got have got a digital currency. I, I think in Sweden now, you, you, everything's virtually uh, digital. You know, people are even putting chips in their hand and, and paying with their hand rather <laughs> got than it, their got phone. It. Interesting, and interesting. There's definitely moves in, in the European Central Bank to, to launch a central bank digital currency. So then that that perhaps they're, they're aware that people perhaps don't want to use cash very much. And there's been a backlash against cash with, with the virus. But uh, it, it looks like they might send you know, get get us using more. I mean, most of our current, most of our transactions now are digital. You just you look on your Correct. phone and you check your bank Correct. balance and you move money around. So, you know, crypto could be uh, j just not wiped out by that, but certainly be over overrun by by the banks doing their own thing with with digital currency. So I'm, I'm with you on on the crypto side, and I'd, I'd be nervous about putting my money into something that goes up and down just just like that. Correct. And it's it's a big it's a big price tag. It's not like it's yeah. like a share that's it, it, it would be like a stock share that's forty thousand dollars a share. I mean, when it, that's True. one position, you know, so and I know they have partial positions and all of that. I was a little surprised that they have a futures on Bitcoin. Uh, that seemed to me a little premature, but I'm not trying to rewrite history and I'm not trying to worry about not being hip with the new times, but I am very much aware I, I want to stay in my comfort zone. The main thing is the, the is there's a lot of confusion about where we're heading. And I find that most Western nations, whether it be anybody in Europe or the UK or the United States, is it what does the average person do in order to protect themselves? And that's that's a real hard question because we're in new ground now. And I think uh, inflation is could get worse. I think the reason it's not worse than what we had in the 70s is because when when people start buying toilet paper because they know it's going to cost more next month and they start you seeing it as an investment, that's what we saw in the late 70s. People started realizing, right. hey, this 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 item that like whether it's in the oil business where I started, we were buying pipe and pumping units. These things were going up 20 percent a year lock stock. So we or, or higher. So we just started buying more and now more money's chasing these these uh, products. And when it gets down to the average guy working in the coffee shop, that's in the and that's where inflation really is a problem, because everybody's worrying about getting out of their cash. We're not there yet. This could subside if we go back into recession, as in the you know the Western world. But yeah. at the same time, I I feel like um, uh, we're not there yet, but it's possible. You know that if we get there, then inflation. I don't believe in the rampant in runaway inflation. I don't think that's going to happen because I think they'll try to do something before we get there. But the, definitely, the Fed's in charge. They're, the investment banking system that works with them. They're keeping most of that capital within that system instead of getting it out. It's being um, seen in the capital markets such as stocks and real estate, but it's not a uh, fast. 
um, uh, dissemination of that capital. And I think people in real estate, our real estate's gone up a lot this year. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think it has pretty much everywhere. Yeah. But um, that's really more a function of we've had a of demand. People, you know, we haven't had a lot of building of homes. And so there's a lot of pent up demand for new housing. So, uh, but it's and cheap it's, money to borrow, cheap money. Correct. To get, zero, yeah. That's correct. That is correct. So um, the zero interest rate thing, I heard a guy the other day, it might have been Dent or one of those historical guys. We were at 4,000 year lows on the interest rates, you know, mm. and isn't it sad that you can save money because I'm highly liquid at this point uh, is that um, I don't earn anything on my uh, on my cash, but I'd rather be in cash because that's the best sleep um, drug that you can have, uh, you know, for for uh, uh, keeping your tensions um, uh, low when you go into an unknown uh, environment and I still think we have a lot to go of uh, chaos in front of us, and as we go forward, you know. So you mentioned there that you you you're uh, you're highly liquid, so you're keeping yes. You're not all in with your trades, then you're you're not at all. I I I in the, in the, in the futures, you you put positions on with a percentage of. Um, it's not like stocks where you're 100 percent invested in the stock. You, you can you use margin. It's a matter of risk management and controlling that leverage to where you're putting in uh, maybe five or ten percent. So you have all this cash on the sidelines to where when you go through periods of drawdown and that kind of thing, you have to feed your your program. You have to feed the the, the market swings. So you have to remain fairly liquid. And so uh, uh, a small percentage is on are on these positions in margin in the futures. But um, overall, I, I'm I'm just uh, uh, I'm not as as confident about anything. So my I'm I'm invested enough in my futures program to where I can do pretty much. I'm in and the, my futures is very diversified. I'm in uh, stocks. I'm in stock. These are all futures, but st stocks, uh, grains, uh, meats, uh, metals, petroleums, interest rates, currencies. I'm in all these things, and I can trade them south, go, going down or going up. So I'm in a very flexible position at this point in my life to where well, I don't care if the dollar goes to a you know doubles or, or goes in half. I'm going to trade the currencies that counterweight that in in the directions that I need to go. So uh, I feel very lucky. I'm I'm much more equipped than the average person, and I I wish I could say something more to those people because, you know, get out of debt, even though people are money's cheap, you know, the cost of money's cheap, just be careful, not get overextended because that sure. gets you when, when this thing turns around. Yeah. So can you, for, for our audience, can you explain the difference between say buying a future or an option and just going out and buying that stock and saying, well, I'm going to buy this stock or buy the market through index funds. What's the difference with sure. the future? I, I, I don't, the most common way to participate is through stock index funds. If you read the fine print, if things blow up, it's hard to get out the exit door with those markets, the way you see that. There's a lot of index funds that are in commodities. We had uh, the futures price in the crude oil in last um, the year before last go below zero because of a, a ETF in crude oil was was basically rolling their position over in the futures market and the exchange wasn't equipped to handle sub zero prices. So actually the price of crude oil went to like negative 40 for a brief moment. And this is generated by the way that the stock, the crude uh, ETF was was managing all this money that they have to um, to manage when it comes to stocks or anything related to ETFs. I 
when you put that price, uh, when you put on a position, it's 100%. Uh, you have to invest. If you buy a share of Google for $1,000, I'm just throwing it out there, you have to put in the $1,000. But you can only lose, a, sorry to interrupt, but you can only lose $1,000. Correct. Correct. You can yeah. lose it all. But when it comes to futures and I and listen, I don't advise people to get into futures um, uh, and I'm not I'm not a big fan of our industry. A lot of the futures returns for managers have not been great. So I'm kind of I'm kind of embarrassed to some extent to how poor they've done, because a lot of those big, big managers have been about accumulating capital and earning on the fees and not really performing for their clientele. And that's a very common problem. Now, the last year or two has been better because the markets have moved, but there was about a four or five year run to where a lot of the big managed futures managers were losing money. And to me, right. that's un unacceptable as a trader. You just, you, you want to be as close to new highs as you constantly can. When it comes, I'm, I'm not a big believer in options because unlike futures, options has more, it has a time element, it's, it's very, um, you have more ways to lose. And so you can say, well, I'm limited. If I put up uh, $5,000, I can't lose any more than that. And at the same time, what are the odds of you losing all of it? And right. it's pretty high. And so most people don't realize how much they have to babysit a position, even a stock position. You may not have to trade it, but if you're going to manage a long-term uh, program in stocks, you have to look at it every day. You have to see where your stops are and you have to manage the risk. Managing risk is the most important thing. And it's the only thing you can quantify when you put on a trade is the risk. You can't quantify how much you're going to make. Risk and reward is kind of a fallacy. You can only quantify how much am I going to lose. Now, back to your question about futures. Futures is a... Um, is, is a, a system that was created years ago in mostly in the agricultural markets mm. and they've expanded into the finance world to where if you had a crop that was coming due at a certain time, you could take a small percentage of your potential revenue as a farmer and sell it at any time during the year rather than when your crop came due when you harvested it. And that's what the and actually the first futures were done out of the Mediterranean when when ships would leave in the 1500s to go to China for silk and 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 uh, perfume trade. They would basically sell that product on a forward contract to where when the ships got back, they knew what they were going to make and they could lock in the profit regardless of what the price was. So it's been around for ideas been around for a long time. So yeah. in terms of the the average person, if you're going to buy 5000 bushels of corn at eight bucks a um, 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 a bushel, then um, if that's what it's trading now, then instead of putting up the eight the eight dollars times five thousand, which is forty thousand uh, dollars worth of, I think it's for yeah forty thousand dollars worth of uh, asset, you can put up um, a a deposit as a margin for maybe eight hundred dollars, so you can control that with a small percentage of the total. The problem is when the price goes down to seven dollars. That's five thousand dollar loss on that eight on that one dollar loss. Well, if you put up eight hundred dollars to control the futures, and and it goes to seven dollars, and you don't manage that loss, you're now in the hole by uh, forty two hundred dollars because your eight hundred dollar deposit went from eight hundred dollars to a minus forty two hundred because you lost five thousand dollars in the trade. So it's so that, very that could be called in. So the the well the exchange it, you, could call that yes. money in. Yes, they'll, you'll have what you call a, call, a margin call, and then uh, um, you have to, you know, put up uh, uh, more money. So I have when I when I trade an account, 
I don't have any more margin on deposit than 20%, meaning that if, if the value of the account, say, is $100,000, the most that I have in margin is less than 20% of that. So I have, I have $80,000 in excess, not necessarily on deposit with the firm because firms can go broke. So to protect right. that capital, I'll keep it in um, a bank account. And then when, the, when, when I need to deposit more because of my losses, which do occur, then you have to, you can just wire it in, but you don't keep it there. But it's, it's a really small percentage as opposed to just putting up $800 and trading that one contract. That's a hundred percent of your account. That's very foolish. And that's what people get into trouble with. Um, yeah. My, uh, my father, um, lost a two trades and he lost two twenty million dollars each in those two trades after he made his hundred wow. and 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 he was basically he was long in a in a bear market reading bullish uh, crop reports so he was basically convinced by the fundamentals that he was right but at the same time price is God in this business in any business I don't care what the fun so if you're long and you're losing money and you say yeah but it's going to go up it's going to go up because this company invented this brand new widget that's going to make a billion dollars if it's going down and down and down get out you know let it wait until the price bottoms out and goes back up before you get confirmed if in a stock now in futures you can take advantage of falling prices just as easily as you can rising prices there's no difference whatsoever the margins are the same and and it's just the exact opposite the the characteristics of a falling market is a lot is a little different because the sell-offs are more uh, uh uh immediate just like stocks where the mm. the the thing about stocks, though, if you want to short a market that involves borrowing and becomes kind of a, is the stock available? It becomes more complicated. That's why they have ETFs, because it then trades more like a futures, but you don't trade on margin. You actually can, you put the whole thing up, but it's easier to short. Uh, I think that overall shorting, here's the th here's my take, everything you need to know about stocks. Here you go. This put Take this to the yeah. bank. Yeah. Stocks inherently go up. They just do. Because, uh, and when they sell off, they sell off quick and abruptly. Uh, if, you, if you bought the stock market on October, in October of 29 and held on to it and ignored the sell-off, you, you didn't get profitable until 1954. Right. But during that time period, there were two bull markets. So if you pay attention to when the market's going against you and just, okay, I'm going to get out. And I'm not saying just on a whim, but may, you know, don't lose any more than 10% on your portfolio and get out and wait for the, the market to bottom out and start to rebuild itself again, which we have timing tools that do that. But, but the average person doesn't know when to get in. So they just said, I'm just going to stay in. And the problem yeah. is you don't know when you're going to be on January 1st of 2000 with a three-year bear market, or you're going to be March 1st uh, or March, uh, whenever the sell-off was March, 15th of 2020 and the thing breaks 35 percent and it's it's over in basically eight weeks so you don't know what's going to happen but in that case i would have trade i would have gotten out of that sell-off and then reposition myself back in as as the market starts to rebuild don't pick bottoms let the bottoms prove themselves but when it comes to stocks they're going to rise so try to uh, create a strategy to where you you um um you don't fool with the exit. Another thing too, is that I would rather have 20 stocks, say in the large caps that are highly liquid and basically manage them individually rather than 
uh, buy an ETF because an ETF, if you buy the S&P, you got 500 stocks. All the profitability in that ETF is coming from the top you yeah. know, 10 or 20 markets. Same thing with the NASDAQ. So basically, if you manage them individually, you don't have one place to get out. You're pairing your position off as each of those markets start to go down. So you're, and you're only risking 5% on each market. So it's a much balanced way to approach stocks to where as they, as they uh, sell off, then you're peeling off these positions. Some of them may not get stopped out, but it, then you can reestablish them once you get a trend that's kind of starting to go back up. Sorry yeah. for that long thing, but that's that's, that's everything. Very useful. Thing I need to, you need to know about stocks, futures, uh, options go don't go near ETFs. They're the best thing you can do to to buy and sell. I'd still think a a, a hold a hold uh, strategy is better in in the ETFs, but um, this is a really really hard business, and the Fed has made it think people that that the stock market is a is the place to be. Stocks go up when everything else is is flat, when everything else is dull, they go down when other things start to look more interesting and compete with it. So we've had 10 years here of just nothing but straight up and everybody yeah. thinks that this is this is easy. You just buy and hold. Yeah. And it there's some there's some danger out in front of us. Trust me, you know, it's gonna teach me. Yeah. It's become a bit of a, a craze, I know in America that you know, websites dealing with a lot of new investors, almost buying like they were doing before the, the 29 crash. It's just become a bit of a, a craze. Correct. And, and trading Correct. And, and this sort of thing. So I, I see some dangers there, but it's, you never know when the market could fall. And if you're holding shares and you, you get up in the morning and you read the market's gone down 20%, it, it's, how do you get out? You know, you, you, it's, your money's it's gone. Late. And the fund really, managers, yeah. the fund managers always say, "Oh, hold on, ride it out." You know, the market will go up again, but it could be years before it goes up. Well, it could, it could. And I looked at the FTSE today; it's got the same breaks in it that the S and P and the Nasdaq have. I mean, it's we're all tied together. I, I when you look at the history yeah. of commerce, um, when shipping started with the three masted uh, ships, uh, all of Europe were tied to the same recessions because of shipping back in the 1500s. It's amazing to see how right. that whole thing is tied together. And uh, with COVID and this whole, what we've gone through, it's just amazing to see how uh, we are here in this place that is, um, um, it's, it's, a, there's a lot of confusion. A lot of people don't know what to do. And the buy and hold is great until we come to that 29 moment to where, and I think uh, I did a I did an article for Stocks Commodities Magazine in late the late 1990s, comparing the run up to the 29 crash to the run up to the um, 2000, and and everything every benchmark that you had that measured the economy were exactly the same, everything the interest rates the inflation the and it was just hey we're going to go to the the moon on this stock market thing, and um, and at some point everybody buys and it's over, and um, yeah. So yeah. uh, it's interesting. You know, the ECB's own stock, the, the, the central banks, they have, they have stock positions that they, they own as, as central banks, which to me is unbelievable. Hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. And it, it, it does seem like, especially young people, don't, they've never seen a big crash, really, and they've never seen high inflation. They think property is going to keep going up and up and up. Yes, and correct. They're taking on huge mortgages now, so th there's that risk. Um, so I, 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 nobody really knows, as you said, what exactly what's going to happen. 
Um, I, I was going to ask if someone wants to find out more about futures, should they, would you say, read your book? I mean, can you show us a copy of your book there? Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, I wrote a book. Um, let's see. Here it is. Guillotine Investing, right. Guillotine Investing, uh, Keeping Your Head While Others Are Losing Theirs. The I wrote it because, um, oh no, I wrote the, the, the person I wrote it to is regardless of experience. You don't, it's not a futures book. It's a market book or investment book. It's not a stock book. It's anybody that if, if you've got no experience, I've written it in plain, plain language for uh, someone to, to get introduced uh, to uh, what I think about when I think about the markets. And, and if you, but if, or if you've had 20 years or 30 years of experience, there might be a lot less that you understand, or you may disagree with some of my viewpoints, but it's designed for anybody in between as well. So it's, it's really a, um, um, a, a, a summary of the important things that I have relied on and come to believe in is, is contributed to my success. And hopefully, uh, you know, people can benefit from it. That's great. And I think just to, to be able to survive in a, in a market and through recessions and, and understand things is, is amazing to, to me that you, you're, you're still there surviving. Um, and I, I would stress before we wrap up that we're not giving any investment advice here. You know, we're not your financial advisor. I'll give all the legal uh, sure. clauses there that, you know, we're not advising you to get in or get out of anything, but to do your research and, you know, look at yourself emotionally where, where you're, where you are as an investor, because I, I guess it's easy for people to, to panic. And if they, if they haven't got their emotions in check, you know, as soon as the market dips down, they're starting to get into a panic. Um, so you need to know where you are emotionally, I think. And uh, I would certainly recommend this book. As I said, we're not pushing any particular course here or anything like that, but it's just to, to, to really get financially educated. And, and do you, do you do your own uh, podcast? Do you, do you, do you run you know, any blogs I, or anything like that? I don't. And it's, 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 uh, it's, it's important for me to, to work with people like you to help get my message out because I'm too busy with the markets. I'm too oh, busy doing my own thing. And mentally, um, it's hard. We do about 30 things every night. Really? Meaning that we have to, we have to, about 30 things. Now, a lot of it's automated at this point, but we, we have to do a lot of things and you every night in order to be ready for the next day's markets. Now, this is with a long-term approach, a longer-term approach. So you're basically looking at 30 markets. You're, you're looking at the risk control. Not everybody's willing, you know, can do this. It's, it, it's a full-time kind of mental wow. exercise. So yeah. the idea of I'm just going to work and then on my spare time, you know, do this on the side. Um, you have to respect the animal that you're working with and, and otherwise it'll take you and bite you and the beast. <laughs> swallow you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that's interesting. And, and the timing wise, are you, is it, is it in your night, you're, you're looking in at nighttime in, in America, the markets is, is there any particular time of day you have to. Well, our markets, our markets close here at about, um, two o'clock afternoon, which was 14, right. you know. Greenwich. So the um, uh, we run the computers on what we do, and we're just the the challenge is following the freaking plan. It's you have to follow it religiously. Because here's the thing, I can run an automatic strategy on historical data, and you say, well, it would have made this. But what what do you have to do to make sure that you do 
to get that inf that result, you have to do exactly every day what that computer is doing in an instant. And that's the, that's most people can't respect that. Right. And so you, I, it's kind of a religion for me. It's not my religion, but it is a religion for me to, and I, and my son's working with me too, that, which helps because he's, he wants, he's learning the business after my four decades of being in it, which is a wow. great start for him. And he believes in compounding to where whatever capital we have, uh, there's a potential that, um, you know, we can trade that up over time. And he knows that time is on his side because he's a lot younger. Wow, so it's, it's, yeah, it's really, really fortunate that he's interested. It doesn't have to be, but what, you know, if you're working two hours a day and I do other things too, during the day too, with related to, to my work, but at the same time, you have to run these numbers and do it. And it's not like an eight hour, it beats, you know, tarring roofs or, yeah. you know, doing real work, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, commutes in and yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I did all that back when I was younger. So it's, um, it's it's a great way to um, um, to work and to to increase the um, um, the assets and at the same time you know the way you grow assets is that you spend less than you make and that's kind of hard for people to do too you know <laughs> okay well that, that's really interesting Katie and I, you, you certainly echo my advice is that you should get yourself educated financially I, I was in the finance industry. Um, you know, selling the products that most people would invest in. So sure. I've seen it from the inside. And I, I think you're much better off educating yourself. And if you still want to use those products, that's fine. But you, you'll have a lot more success if you become financially educated. So totally. I totally agree. Great advice, Charles. Good. Thanks. Good. And, yeah. And I certainly recommend KD's book and I'll, I'll be ordering a copy myself. And I wish you all a great year ahead. Uh, if you're investing, good luck in this this topsy-turvy, turbulent market. And I'd, I'd just like to thank you for your time again, Katie. And, oh, my uh, pleasure. Anytime. I'd love to speak to you again in the future. That sounds great. Great. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 